This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Nervous? Yes. First time. No, I've been nervous lots of times. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I was just thinking... How fun would it be to make this podcast available to everybody? Then I asked Joe, and what do you know? Turns out that you can hear me out of the other side. Whoa! (laughs) To celebrate, we welcome the host of the Smart People Money Show from Ventura, California, Michael Anderson. And from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Plus, from this podcast, just back from explaining to his mom that if you say the word gullible slowly, it sounds like oranges. Oh, gee. Plus, in our Friday FinTech segment, worried that you can't find a great retirement budget calculator? <laughs> Who isn't? Here to share his work with us, the guy who's also the host of the Sound Retirement Planning Podcast, Jason Parker. That's not all. We'll magnify someone's money, share a dose of my incredible trivia, and more. And now, the guy who's taken a break from his nap to record an episode, Joe Saul Seahawk. Is that what everybody thinks we do in podcast land, is just take naps and then jump on the uh, old podcast recording equipment? Hey there, buddy. I am Joe Saul Seahawk, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And back for another Friday, it's my good friend, OG. Did you know that Gullible's not even in the dictionary. I'm not fault for that one. I almost when Doug when Doug said gullible oranges at first. Really? Yeah. <laughs> of course you said that. Yes. Not great. And here the person who's not gullible at all on my dad's shortwave in Austin, Texas. It's our friend Paula Pant. But what rhymes with orange or oranges? Uh, boranges. Foranges for for I don't know. <laughs> right. I can't can't come up with anything that rhymes with orange. I think well, rhymes with orange is the name of a comic strip though. So there's that. Where does that come from though? I mean, were you thinking the whole time, but what rhymes with it? <laughs> for yeah, for whatever reason, I hear the word orange and I think poetry. <laughs> Bam. 
And the guy who's wondering right now what the heck he's doing here from the Smart People Money Show, it's our new friend, Michael Anderson. How are you, man? Hey, feeling great. Real treat to be here. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, well, tell everybody about the Smart People Money Show. The Smart People Money Show, just a program. You know, Joe, your listeners are smart. OG smart. Paul is smart. You know, we're all smart, but what do smart people do with their money? And more importantly, what do smart people not do with their money? Uh, That's what we try and talk about on that show. Well, th- thank goodness we got you here because the other three of us, we have no idea. We have no clue. <laughs> So you're going to take some liberties with uh, telling Joey smart, but that's, that's all right. right. <laughs> but that's why we like Michael so much already. It's like it's our new BFF. Uh, and you're in Ventura, California. Lovely Ventura, California, just uh, 30 minutes north of Santa Barbara and uh, and born and raised here. How did you get started? Because you were also in radio, right? I was in radio for a little bit through college, but got my way into finance and then uh been doing that for the last 12 years and then just got into radio again uh, two years ago. As as part of the financial planning practice. Right. Just as a mechanism to create content and spread the word. Yeah, right. And do you work with just people locally or people around the nation? Mostly in California and Oregon, but I have my independent firm for the last two years and, and the podcast thing through FinCon has helped me kind of start to branch out and think a little broader than just California. That That is awesome. Well, we're glad you're here with us today. Today's podcast is brought to you by The Stacker. It's the place where people go. Well, the first place they go is actually the Smart People Money Show. After that, then they go to Afford Anything. And then finally, they go to The Stacker, which is our 52 lessons in about 52 weeks. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Stacker. It's also the place where OG and I are about to go have some more meetups around the country. And uh, you'll hear about it there first. So sign up for the stacker and uh, we hope to be coming your way fairly soon. I like how you say about 52 weeks. About, I've just had, <laughs> I just had trouble with the interface. I got to say the uh, uh-huh. sending, sending out emails in a timely manner apparently is not my strong suit. Not your thing. Okay. No, but this podcast today is my strong suit. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Kathleen Elkins. We actually had this sent to us by a friend of the show and said, hey, uh, this is the type of stuff you guys talk about. And I've seen this in a few forums, people chatting about this. So I thought we would too. Kathleen writes, here's a budget breakdown of a couple who makes half a million dollars a year and they still feel average. Kathleen writes that Americans are falling short when it comes to saving. Even some families earning six figures have little or no savings. As the example of one New York City couple shows, you and your partner could be making half a million dollars a year and still end up with very little besides 401k money. Our friend uh, Sam Dogan over at Financial Samurai breaks down the budget of two New York-based spouses, each of whom makes $250,000 a year as lawyers. They're 35 years old. They have two young children. This one couple shared their story, and I decided to anonymously highlight their reported expenses. Sam tells CNBC's Make It with a focus on why they end up feeling average, even though they're such high earners. Let's talk about quickly here where their money goes. And then rather than go through the piece, I thought I'd get your breakdowns. First of all, they both put 18,000 in their 401ks. So they make 250 each. They both put 18,000 in their 401ks. Their salary then is 464,000 after the 401k. 
They have a 40% effective tax rate, takes them down to 278. Childcare for two kids, food for four, a mortgage, home maintenance, property taxes, property insurance, three vacations a year, car payments on a BMW 5 Series and a Toyota Land Cruiser, gas, car insurance, life insurance, $3 million term policies, clothes for four people, children's lessons in sports, piano, violin, academics, charities, feed the children, college alumni, and then undergrad and graduate student loans. They're paying those at $32,000 a year clip. And then miscellaneous, because something always comes up is 10000 bucks. meaning at the end, and we'll get into the exact numbers here in a second, I'm sure, $7,300 left. Let's start digging into these numbers. Michael, we'll start with you as the guest. Looking at these numbers, what do you think? They pretty, they pretty average? Well, you got to look at 500 grand. It sounds like a lot of money to anyone and it is a lot of money, but that word lifestyle inflation comes to mind. Hashtag lifestyle inflation. 500 grand is not a lot of money if you're spending 550 grand a year or if you're spending, you know, living high on the hog. In their case, three vacations a year is fantastic. But when you're spending six grand each vacation, that really adds up. When you want to live in a home that's $1.5 million home and you're paying over 87 grand a year to live there, that adds up as well. So it all comes down to choices. And uh, in their case, they're 35, they have two young kids. When those kids get a little older and they're in school, I think their, um, you know, some of their healthcare co- or rather their childcare costs will reduce and they'll have more. So they're doing great for 35. They're doing fantastic. But if they're saying to themselves, why don't we have more? Well, it's because of the choices you're making. You're trying to also, you know, live very high on the hog while you make a lot of the income. You, you really got to be careful if, uh, you know, you're living and enjoying those three vacations. That's where it's going. Let's go over some of those numbers that Michael just mentioned. The three vacations a year, $6,000 each. He mentioned $18,000, $1.5 million house. Uh, their mortgage principal and interest comes out to $60,000 a year. Home maintenance, 5000 Property taxes are $20,000 a year. And their insurance, uh, 2500 I like what Michael's saying here, Paula, that it's about choices. To be perfectly frank, I think this is a really stupid clickbaity type of an article because here's the deal. Their after-tax income is $278,000. They are living this incredibly lavish, wasteful life where they have a BMW 5 Series and also some other fancy mobile. Like They're living the world's most lavish, expensive, inefficient life. And yet, think about this, and yet despite all of their inefficiencies, They are still saving just shy of 15% of their after-tax income. Their after-tax income is $278. They're saving $36,000 in their 401k plus an extra $7,000 left over when all is said and done. They're saving 15% of their after-tax income without even trying. And they're paying off $32,000 of student loans as well. Exactly. Exactly. So when you calculate all of that, that's that's a savings rate of more than 20% of their after-tax income in spite of how inefficient their life is. And that's what happens when you make a lot of money. When you make a ton of money as they're doing, you can be ridiculously wasteful and accidentally still save 20% of your income without trying. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. So for the headline to say, oh, it's so hard to get by, uh, really that headline should say, if you make a lot of money, you can do everything wrong and still accidentally end up with a 20% savings rate. But is it, I mean, headline aside, I get the fact that the article's different than the headline. Headline aside, is it wasteful if their decision is they want to live high on the hog right now? Did I don't want to be judgy. And yet 
it seems to me as though their choices are an endless series of ands. It's the $1.5 million house and the BMW 5 Series and the other fancy car, well, Range Rover or whatever that was. Also expensive lessons for the kids. And also, like, it's just, everything is another and, and the vacations. But right? if they can do all those things and still save, to your point, they can still save 20%, who the hell cares? I mean, if that is a conscious, deliberate choice that they've made, if they sat down with one another and said, we are foregoing opportunity costs and we are choosing to spend 80% of our after-tax income and save the other 20, then awesome. Like I'm a total believer in conscious, deliberate thinking, but the way that this is positioned and granted, sometimes articles are positioned differently than the subject of the article intended. But the way that this article is positioned is, oh, even though we make 500,000, we still feel average. We still feel like we don't make that much. We feel like this is not a whole lot. If that's the case, then they've got to get a reality check. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the car payments that you talk about, that BMW 5 Series and the Toyota Land Cruiser, $9,600 plus $5,000 for gas and $2,000 for car insurance. OG, weigh in, man. What do you think? Wasteful, wasteful I, lifestyle? I want to I want to know where you get a 5 Series and a Land Cruiser for 9600 bucks a year. Because <laughs> I don't see that. You know, I... I looked at this a little bit more analytic and kind of called BS on a few things. The housing payment to line up with a million and a half dollar house, I get that they live in New York City. They would have had to have put down a fairly decent sum of down payment to make that number work, right? If you kind of work the work it backwards. So it's kind of unfair to say, well, you know, they only are able to save this amount of money because probably what happened is over a period of time, if this is a, you know, ostensibly a true story, they had to have accumulated some amount of money. Now, maybe they didn't accumulate it. Maybe it was gifted to them or something like that. But you can't walk into a million and a half dollar real estate deal without some downstroke, even something as small as 80 or $100,000. So they've at some point in time, they accumulated that. I know Michael talked about the fact that eventually the, the student loans go away, which again, at $3,000 a month, They've got to be knocking those things off at a decent clip. So that's going to happen. And I go back to goal attainment. You know, if, and this is, I think, Joe, what you were talking about a little bit too. If all my goals are funded, who cares if my vacations are $18,000 a year? You know, how, how, how fortunate am I? Not only that, but I'm also giving away $18,000 a year or whatever the number says there. You know, just some quick math. If they're doing $36,000 in their 401k, they probably get a little bit of a company match. So maybe in total, they're saving 50000 between their money and company match money. Over 30 years, it's almost $8 million. You know, not terrible. Michael, when we look at this, when you work with people, if they're in this situation, let's say this was your client, what would you tell yeah. this person if they were your client? First thing we talk about when they walk into my office, I, I say to them, tell me, how are you feeling? What's on your radar right now? And what, what if would they you like said, to talk about? What if they said the way this this headline is, you know, we feel average and like we're just barely making ends meet. 
And this happens a lot. People don't track their expenses that well, and they don't really know where it's going, and they wonder, where am I at? I'm making pretty good income. How come I don't have anything to show for it? And the reality is, in this scenario, and Paula says it well, if they're going to complain about feeling average after where they're at, we're going to look at their expenses, and we're going to say, look, you're actually doing okay as it is. So there's not a lot of um, grace to be given for you to say that you're not doing well. I mean, you're, you're doing quite well. Three vacations a year, spending 18000 a year on vacations, you know, the nice cars, the nice house, the nice, you know, training for your kids and child care that's expensive and all of that stuff. You know, so it's, it's hard to, you know, say you're not doing well because you are. And a lot of those things are choices, right? If you lived in a $750,000 home instead of the $1.5 million home, there's $30,000 a year extra that's going to go right to your cash flow that you could be doing something with and feeling better about. But the reality is if that's not a pain point for them, right, if they're feeling okay where they're at, and they are kind of okay. And long term, they're going to pay down that debt. The kids are going to get older. They're going to have more money to do something with. And uh, and so I, I would approach it that way. I always like to take their temperature and see where they're at before I dig in. And given where they're at, it's not a horrible spot. But yeah. if it were me, it could be maybe more efficient with some of the savings or building assets. $750,000 instead of a $1.5 million house. Are you talking about slumming it? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be horrible. Joe, as we talk, I realize that the the thing that I forgot to include when I was calculating their savings rate is the principal portion of the principal paydown on that mortgage mm-hmm. payment. Yeah. So if you if you layer that in, the 401k contributions, the remaining money that's left over after this whole spreadsheet is said and done, plus the principal paydown on their primary residence, they're living this this extravagant, inefficient life and still saving probably closer to 25% of their income, not counting the employer match. So maybe 30%. Yeah. You project that out, Paul. I mean, they're doing very well. I mean, they're going to, they're going to achieve financial independence still in a, I mean, much quicker than most people. Right. And that's the thing, like that's the power of you've got two levers that you can pull the earning lever and the savings lever in this example, even though the article is positioned in such a way that it's like, Oh, look at us. We make so much money and we can barely save. When you dig in the numbers, what it's really showing is that you can, if you make a lot of money, even if you make a lot of luxury spending choices, you still accidentally without realizing it end up with a 30% savings rate or a 35% or whatever this amounts to. Oh, gee. I was going to say the biggest thing here is capturing the extra savings as these things start falling off, whether it's the childcare stuff or the the debt pay down, um, charitable planning, you know, that changes to make it so that it doesn't fold back into going out to eat or a fourth vacation or something like that. Maybe it is going to be quote unquote tight right now for the next three years until you get your student loans paid off. But don't then say, well, now we're going to take that $30,000 a year and dump that into extra vacations. Now is the time to, you know, double down on your savings and capture it at that spot. But I'm with Paula here. We often put too much focus on, you know, clipping coupons. Not like that there's anything wrong with that as opposed to the other side of it, which is if you focus on your earning potential, you have so much more opportunity to screw it up and still be okay. And, uh, yeah. you know, this is evidence of that. I mean, like I said, even if they screw it up, they're going to be 65 with 8 million bucks. I mean, you're saying it's the half million dollars a year that's saving their bacon. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. there's no way you can, 
run this. I mean, take one of their incomes away. Now what? Yeah. Yeah. Michael? There go the violin lesson. Here, here's the thing. Damn it. You're, you're no 35 years old. You're 35. What do you expect? What You're not 65. You have not made it yet. And you shouldn't feel like that you should have made it. And that's a problem I see a lot. People that are young expect to be further faster than their parents were. That's not always the case. You need to put in your time. You need to do it right. And it's going to take time. But, but you know, it's funny, Michael, if, if they talk about financial independence, if they really wanted to, I mean, look at, you know, you were joking kind of about the seven, you know, one half million dollars to $750,000 house. You could change a lot of things on this spreadsheet. They could still put in a lot less time. They could get there in way more of a hurry than they are now. Well, it's all a function of what their lifestyle is. What is their lifestyle expense, you know, that they're used to and they're accustomed to and they want, you know, living at 500 grand a year, they're they're just not going to make it. (laughs) They can keep the violin lessons and still be okay if they maybe cut out the new cars or cut out the, you know, lowered the house, uh, what taxes. else? Those suck. Get rid of them. Get, get rid of taxes. Right. Uh, <laughs> stop, stop buying that silly insurance. No, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, uh, went from three vacations a year down to two vacations a year and only spent 12 grand on vacations. I know they call me crazy. Just think about what they could do. It's it's pretty powerful stuff. We will link to this on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. But before we we uh, go, I guess that we, we should have a takeaway here. Paula, we'll start with you. Big takeaway from this about spending and saving. Two takeaways. Number one is focus on your earning potential because you, Joe, as you said, to quote you, and I thought this was very well said, you can't shrink your way to greatness. So focus on growing the gap between what you earn and what you spend by earning more. That's one takeaway. The other takeaway is that when you see these types of articles online, crunch the numbers for yourself and don't buy into the framing that you are told to buy into because oftentimes uh, once you actually run through the numbers, there's a different story happening than the one that meets the eye. OG? Asked and answered, Your Honor. (laughs) Boy, that that, that was tough. That Paula was, took two. That's not fair. <laughs> she, she, right. She did yours and hers. Michael, you've got the last word. What's our takeaway? I think these people are going to be fine. And in due time, they will have made it and they will be doing just fine. But you got to be careful. We all do. You don't want your lifestyle expense to be more than your income. You know, that's like that quote in Top Gun. Remember that one? Your mouth is signing checks that your body can't cash. You just don't want to be in that position. Well, we get so many questions about calculators here in the basement that I wanted to have Jason Parker on because Jason has my favorite calculator for retirement income. And it's a whole different way of looking at your retirement where you start with your income stream and you work backward. It's uh, really neat stuff. Actually, with Jason, and we rarely do this, we have an affiliate agreement. I talked to him after we recorded the interview you're about to hear and I said, hey, this is this is the kind of thing that I can get behind like we do for our sponsors of the show. But regardless, I like the way Jason thinks as a financial planner. Of course, he has his podcast, uh, which a lot of people listen to around the idea of retirement planning. So if you're interested in retirement at all, we're going to talk retirement calculators, retirement calculations with our friend Jason Parker. 
And coming down to the basement, it's our good friend Jason Parker. How are you, man? I am great, Joe. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's funny because we get questions all the time about retirement, about retirement calculators, about budget. I'm like, huh, where's a resource online where we can do retirement, we can do budget, calculator all in one place? And guess who has one? Man, we are building a tribe. We're building, it's almost like a cult following. I had a guy reach out to me recently who's been a developer, a coder for 30 years. And he said, Jason, what you built here is so cool. He said, let me know if you need hands on the code. I mean, we've got people wanting to help build this thing out as, it, as it's coming together. So that's yeah, awesome. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Well, let's, let's talk about it. Let's dive in. Why did you decide to make the retirement budget calculator? Because everybody's spending too much time focusing on the wrong part of this thing. I want, you know, I get to talk to a lot of people about retirement. And one of the questions I ask them is, what's the purpose of your money? And I've asked that question hundreds, probably a thousand times. And never has one person ever answered that saying, the purpose of my money is diversification. The purpose of my money is asset allocation. The purpose of my money is low fees. The purpose of my money is mutual fund versus ETF. I've never heard that. What they all say is, I want to maintain my lifestyle. I don't ever want to run out of money in retirement. I don't want to become a burden to anybody. I want to experience freedom. I want to go do the stuff I really want to do. But our whole industry has been built by investment guys, the Schwabs, the Vanguards, the TD Ameritrades, the Fidelities. And so their whole focus is on investments and how to manage your money. I wanted to build a tool that was about the most important thing, which is your spending. The reason that most people save their money in the first place is so that they could spend it in retirement. And that's really what the retirement budget calculator is designed to do is help people create a great spending plan. Well, let's dive into it then. I go to retirementbudgetcalculator.com. Tell me what I get when I go there. Well, you don't get anything until you sign up and pay for it. Okay. But uh, oh, that's a there, bummer. I got to pay. <laughs> but there are some free videos. So before, if people want to see how it works, um, we have a, a link to our YouTube channel from retirementbudgetcalculator.com. They can watch a recent webinar that I did that walks people through this. I will tell you, uh, for your listeners, Joe, we have a special coupon code that's available for a limited time. It's not going to be there forever. But if they use the coupon code Benjamin when they sign up, they get 50% off the price. Right now, it's $54 as a one-time fee. It's not a subscription. So if they use Benjamin, they'll get it for $27 as uh, a one-time fee. And that that's going to be changing in the future. Eventually, we're going to move to a subscription fee. But anybody that signs up now, we're going to grandfather them in so they won't be under the subscription model. But let me tell you about the calculator because what yes. it does is way different. This is not another YNAB. This is not another Mint. This is not a Quicken. This is not Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar. This is a tool to help you really understand your spending and help answer the question of have we saved enough? Are we going to run out of money in retirement? And before I built the SaaS, the software as a service, I started out building a spreadsheet. And one of the things I found is it's really complicated. There's a lot of moving parts in a budget. Some expenses you pay monthly, some you pay quarterly, some you pay annually. Some expenses go up with inflation, like health insurance. Some things are static, like a mortgage, other than your taxes and insurance, your principal and interest is does not go up with inflation. There's a payoff date, so it's going to change in the future. Some expenses are essential, some are discretionary. And so we wanted to create a tool to really help people organize and understand their spending, not just how it is today, but how it's going to change in the future. So for example, a lot of people tell me when they retire, they want to spend more money the first 10 years on travel. 
Well, with our calculator, we allow people to do that. We allow them to model how that's going to work. So right when they retire, maybe they increase, maybe they're spending $20,000 a year on travel, but then they can see that expense falling off 10 years from now. So they can see how their budget's going to ebb and flow over time. So that's the first thing. We really got granular with the spending. And if you listen to guys in the FIRE community, financial independent, retired early, people like Mr. Money Mustache, he didn't really save that much money. He saved a little bit more than a million dollars when he retired early. But what he did, and he's fanatical about his spending. I mean, the guy doesn't even drive a car. He rides a bike everywhere because he knows that if you keep your expenses low, you can have a really great quality of life. So this this tool, if, if people use things like Quicken and Mint and those other things, they can use that data to help populate the retirement budget calculator. But our calculator is not designed to replace those tools. But it is designed for people that want to be really exact about their retirement planning. Yeah, just to be clear, it's funny because there's a difference, as they say, there's a difference between a budget and tracking. You're saying that these tracking tools, and in the case of YNAB, it's also a budget tool, can help you do what this does, which is project out how it's all going to work in the future. I think that's what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. So, and the thing is, we're developing it from a spending perspective, not from an investment management perspective. Like all of the all the big companies, all the new wealth fronts of the world, everybody wants to manage your investments. And our tool doesn't do that. The other thing our tool does is it protects your privacy because you don't have to link all of your bank accounts to it. So um, we're really not harvesting a lot of data from you like a lot of those other tools are where they want to link to all of your accounts. So that's the first thing we do is we really get granular on your budget. The second piece to a good plan is understanding your assets and liabilities, understanding your net worth. So our tool allows you to put in your net worth. And then the third piece is understanding time. How long are you going to live? Because ultimately what everybody's trying to figure out is, is the money going to last? Or can we retire and can we be confident in that decision? The cool thing I did about time, Joe, and this, I thought everybody was going to love this feature. And maybe I, it's just because I'm a little bit morbid. But <laughs> under the time tab, you put in your birthday and your gender. And then we pull the data in from Social Security Administration and we show that actuarially, you know, what life expectancy is. When you're going to die. When you're going to die. Yeah. But we break it down by days. So what we do is we show how many days you've been alive. For example, I'm looking at mine right now. It says I've been alive 16,219 days. And it says, if I lived a life expectancy, I've got 12,712 days remaining. So I've lived 56% of my life and I've got 44% left. And one of the reasons I thought that would be so cool is because I thought, man, let's create something that builds some urgency into people's lives so that they go out and they live their best life, that they don't live in the land of someday. So the retirement budget calculator, now I thought everybody was going to love that feature when we launched it, but it was like crickets, man. Nobody wrote back to me. Nobody... Um, <laughs> what everybody did get excited about, though, I think our when I was talking to my team recently, I think we saw the number of people subscribe increase by like 200% in just this last month. Oh, What really got people was the new Future View tab. And what the Future View tab does for people is it's that's where it takes your budget and your assets, and it allows you to sign a rate of return to your money. And it starts modeling out for 40 years how this thing's going to work. And it helps answer the question of whether or not you've saved enough and whether or not your money's going to last. So that's what I think most people are really excited about with the tool. Absolutely. What do I, how do I see that? Do I see it like as a mountain graph or something that shows my money going away over time? Do I see it as, as do I see the back end series of spreadsheets? How do you, how do you show that data? Well, if I was artistic in any way and, the, and my chief <laughs> technology officer keeps telling me, Jason, we need to 
include some pretty graphs and stuff in here. Right now, it's just numbers that kind of flow down a page. Yeah. So you can see it every year. You can see what your income is. You can see what your assets. You can see what your shortfall is. You can see the rate of return. You can see your money going away over time. By the way, as as a side note, when I was a financial planner, our software did that. They put it in the back that's what I always wanted. And the reason was, was because if those are the numbers I needed to reach the goal, you know, the market's going to do different than we think. We're going to spend differently than we think. Like all these variables come up. I would use that plan with my clients then at our meetings, all those yearly numbers to figure out if we were ahead or behind because those became our benchmarks. And And actually for me, those numbers got exciting because it would change the conversation in two ways. Number one, we would have a different conversation if we were ahead or behind And then number two, the conversation we had was never about the stuff we couldn't control. It was all around the stuff that we could control. We can't control what the market does. I mean, don't get me wrong. We can make sure our asset allocation is right. And, but, but you know what? That may or may not help us. What'll really help us is if we're behind putting more money away. Or if we're ahead of the game, are we far enough ahead of the game that we can actually push these goals forward? Or number two, do we leave them the same and we spend more money when we get there? Or number three, do we take a break and not save some money for a little while and have more fun right now? But what's funny is, is even as I go through those, Jason, I'm sure somebody has a vote for which of the three they would do. And my pushback on everybody always is, how can you vote until you even know what those benchmarks are and whether you're ahead or behind? You can't vote. So. Don't get me wrong. Charts and graphs are fantastic, but I love the yearly milestones. Oh, man. And one of the cool things, too, is I heard a guy recently tell somebody, these folks had only saved about $1.2 million for retirement. And their advisor, big name, I won't say any names, but told them that they could spend $25,000 a year and not run out of, I'm I'm sorry, $25,000 a month and not run out of money in retirement. And man, I'm sorry. The problem is these guys are projecting these really high rates of return. So in the retirement budget calculator, we give you a straight line in terms of the return your money might earn. So if you want to put in 4% or 5 or 7, we always like to say hope for the best, plan for the worst. And so if you can run the numbers and say, geez, I'm getting ready to retire and and I assume a 3% return on my money and I still have money left when I'm 100 years old, that gives people a lot of confidence. Then they don't have to take a lot of unnecessary risk with their retirement planning and Joe, we're just we're just scratching the surface. I mean, the calculators, it's been around for a year and a half now, and we keep making updates and making it better and better and better. But some of the things that we have planned that are going to continue to make the calculator better, it's going to knock people's socks off. I mean, I really think this is a game changer for a lot of people, um, and partly because I have 20,000 hours in real-world experience helping people transition through retirement. So we're building something for the do-it-yourself community, people that are probably never going to hire a financial advisor in the first place but they want to have a good tool to help them have more confidence in the planning. One of the other things we do, Joe, is inflation. A lot of times the financial tools out there just use a straight line inflation number where they say, hey, assign 3% to all of your expenses, but that's not how inflation works. Like I say, if you have a mortgage that's going to be paid off that doesn't have inflation and medical expenses have been going up at 5% or healthcare has been going up at 5% per year. And uh, education, I mean, education, seven or eight, right? Yeah. So our calculator allows you to assign a different inflation factor to every expense so that you can model how this is going to change over time. Like I say, it's just this, it's so fun. And to be getting the, the feedback from the community, from our people that are using it, we've got, we're posting some of the reviews people have left on the retirement budget calculator 
website so other people can read it. But yeah, I'm just really excited. I think uh, I think the work we're doing is really going to have a significant impact on people's lives. Well, that's why I was excited to have you on our Friday FinTech segment talking about it. I've got one more question that I'm sure people are yelling at their device that I have to ask, which is updates. You talked about you're updating it, you're still updating it. If I buy the calculator today and you said people are grandfathered, do they get the updates? Are they going to get the updates uh, that you make along the way? Yes, that's what we're doing. So it's SA- it's a SaaS, you know, it's software as a service. It lives in your internet browser. So it's not dependent on Microsoft or Apple. Um, is You can use it in Chrome or Safari or Edge or whatever browser you use. And then what we do is every time there's an update, it just is automatically available to everybody that's already subscribed. I know the model is, and where we're going to eventually switch to is a subscription fee, but there is a better, you know, I I personally don't like subscription fees. So if anybody's interested in getting the calculator because they're going to get grandfathered in, it makes a lot more sense to pay a one-time fee than it does a subscription. And we are grandfathering people in. So every time an update comes out, it's just automatically available to them. Yeah. So it's just a login. Your login still works. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And so it's available again at retirementbudgetcalculator.com. Awesome. And I would be remiss, by the way. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, use the coupon code Benjamin when you sign up. And instead of costing $54, it will only be $27. That is awesome. And And, and Joe, if people don't love it, tell us. We'll give them their money back in 30 days if they're not happy with the thing. So, I mean, we're not, if people aren't satisfied, let's just give them their money back. I thought you were going to say, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Well, there is more. (laughs) It's gluten-free. (laughs) I would be remiss if I have you here. I didn't ask you to tell everybody a little bit about your awesome podcast, the Sound Retirement Planning Podcast. What's happening over there, Jason? That's going gangbusters too. You know, I've been doing that actually for 10 years. So I'm kind of a grandpa. And when it comes to podcasting. Everybody calls us grandpa at seven years and you win. 10 years, man. And it started by accident because I had a radio show out here in Seattle that I was doing. But yeah, we've got a lot of people from around the country listening. I thank you, Joe. You gave me a great tip last time I had you on our show, which was to use FAMZU for envelope budgeting. And so what I do is I use the retirement budget calculator to organize my budget, but I use FAMZU instead of putting cash in envelopes. And now because of you, I'm using that tool with prepaid debit cards. And I love that, man. I, th- I just think that's a great way to do envelope budgeting using those two tools in combination. So thank you for being a guest on the on the show and sharing your wisdom with me. No, it's fantastic. And and I love listening to it. We'll link to the Sound Retirement Radio podcast. We're available everywhere, right? Everywhere, man. Yeah, wherever podcasts are sold. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jason, thanks for coming down to the basement and hanging out with us for a few minutes. I appreciate it. This place is awesome. Thank you. Tell your mom I appreciate her letting me in. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, do I deserve a raise. A couple of weeks ago, our guest, Jean Chatsky, was here, and she said to always come to the table with facts. So I've compiled a few. One, I'm a Libra, so you knew that, though, because I'm incredibly balanced. Two, broccoli ice cream tastes amazing. And three, I am every bit as good as David Letterman, and according to his website that I'm on right now, he's worth 400 million bucks 400 million i'm gonna be rich off this podcast money in no time funny thing though today is also david letterman's birthday and so because we have 400 million reasons to talk about him let's ask this question what year was david letterman born i'll be back with the answer in just a moment 
We shared the convoluted rules to this game with Michael backstage. Michael, you think you got it? I think I figured this one out. <laughs> By deductive reasoning here, I'm going to go ahead and go with 19. Oh, no, 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 no. You are not first. You are not first. Oh, sorry. I just want to make sure you knew the rules. Uh, okay. Yes. That was a decoy, by the way. I was <laughs> trying to throw off whoever goes first. Brilliant. Actually, let's talk about the score first. So basically, he didn't have the rules. That he didn't. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't paying attention at all. He's like, uh huh. Yeah, whatever. As he's not cool. Now. Game show. Got it. I yes. got Pick a number. All. <laughs> all right. But looking at the scoreboard right now, OG has five. Andy Hill from Marriage, Kids, and Money played for you last week. And he uh, blew it. What he did. Completely blew it, Andy did. Uh, Dan Angioni played for Len. Now, this week, we've got Michael playing for Len. Michael, you are in second place with four. And Paula, unbelievable. The smartest person, by, smartest person by far here. And uh, you're in last with three. So, Paula, you get to decide first. This is kind of a hard, I don't know if you want to go first in the middle or last. This will be interesting. Which one do you want to do? I will go last. Last place goes last. We'll go last. Uh, Michael, do you want to go in the middle or first? I'll go first. You'll go first, which means OG's going in the middle. All right. So David Letterman's birthday. I'm sure you're not going to say 1939. No, I was thinking more about this now. That was the decoy <laughs> answer. And I've been watching his show on Netflix with his next guest show. And uh, I think I got a beat on this. I'm going to say 1939. It wasn't a decoy at all. <laughs> it was a decoy decoy. I decoyed the decoy. It was like the, it was a triple deke from, uh, from uh, what was that? The, the hockey one. It's like a head fake. Yeah. It's from Slapshot. No, 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 no. What was the one with the kids and uh, Emilio Estevez was the coach. The, the Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Thank you very much. Yes. Little ways uh, what? South of Michael. Just there. a smidge. Just a smidge. And then mm-hmm. uh, OG, 1939. Okay. So I got to think through my uh, reasoning here. So 1939 makes him 162, right? So I think it's less than that. Um. I feel like I should be able to do math a lot faster than that. So you've got him at 80. It does make him 80 right now. That makes, that makes okay. him 80. He's got, got that long beard and it, really gray hair. It was a safe bet. It was a safe bet. Uh, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say he's more baby boomer style. So I'm going to say the year of our Lord, 1944. Oh, Paula. Hmm. So I'm going to guess that he is the same age as my dad. So I'm going to go 1941. 1941 Ooh. for Paula. So I got everything 44 and up. All right. Michael, you're kind of hosed. You only got 39 and 40. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As any self-respecting show will do, we're going to make you wait right now before we give you the answer. What if you two could be balding and own your own podcast production company? Think that would be too good to be true? Well, strap on the wow helmet, kids, because we're about to introduce you to Stacking Stacking Benjamins Benjamins in the Can. 
Now you too can create a moderately successful internet radio show from the comfort and privacy of your own mom's basement. That's right. Stacking, Stacking Benjamins, Benjamins in, in the, the can, can is the do-it-yourself kit that's creating tons of internet fun. What's included? Well, feast your eyes on this, kids. Open up your Stacking Benjamins in the can, and you'll see 14 ways to talk about your latest trip to Bavaria. 18 of the worst bad dad jokes you've ever heard. Your own barely relevant holiday calendar. A sealed container brimming with the smells of stale basement air and day-old pizza. Plus, one script chock full of Segway ideas. And because there was still a little room, we also shoved in your very own Steak Brother story. All in the can. But that's not all. Think we can't do better? Oh, yes, we can. We've also thrown in the can five gratuitous references to OG's after school activity. Three boring tales about how cold it is in Detroit. And if you call in now, tons of free Sizzler coupons. How do you get it? You know that's not the question to ask. Oh, go ahead, ask us. How do I get it in, in the, the can? can? Here's the secret to stacking Benjamins in the can. Just head to your mom's basement, buy a microphone, and we'll take care of the rest. Stacking, stacking Benjamins, Benjamins in, in the, the can, can couldn't be easier. Still not sold? What if I told you stacking Benjamins in the can is gluten-free? That's right. Healthy, barely funny, and all stuffed into this refillable souvenir container. Call for yours today. Operators are standing by. No animals were harmed in the making of this recording. Michael, you've got 1939 and 40. Either one of those two years, you're a big winner. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good about that. Paula, you got 41 to 43. You got three years. Yeah, it's, it's a small window, but I think there's a, a good probability that he was born in that window somewhere. You know what, OG? You've got uh, like 1998 on your side. I mean, you've got everything after got, Yeah, he could be 27. That's <laughs> just a really old looking 27 year old. Yeah. Be amazing how he did those shows in 1982. Yeah. As a 27 year old. All right, Doug, take it from here, man. What's our answer? Welcome back. Trivia lovers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Good news. Joe and I negotiated. And while he can't spare 400 million today, he did cave when I asked him if I could sit at the table with he and OG during lunch. Hashtag winning. I am such an expert negotiator. I should write a book called like, like Art of the Deal or something like that. I bet that'd sell. But first, let's sell you on a trivia question, shall we? Today we asked, in honor of the birthday of the guy who's worth $400 million, David Letterman, what year was he born? Letterman, who started doing variety shows with a short-running morning talk show, debuted on late-night television in 1982. But by that time, his salary was $7 bucks a year. During his prime years, partly because his production company, Worldwide Pants, owned the rights to most of his late-night shows, he was bringing in at least $40 million a year. But you don't want to know about the money. You want to know when it all started. And if you said on today's date in 1947, you'd be correct. See ya. Whoa. Oh I think a better question might have been, I'm not telling Doug how to do his business here, but maybe he would have said, like, when did he stop doing? 
that that would have been a lot more specific. What year did he what, what year did he stop doing the show? Yeah, well, not what year. When? Like, like cause, what? Because we all know it was yes. Oh, that we all know it was one. recent. Like, but was it June first of two thousand twelve or was it July seventh of two thousand sixteen? Yeah. Well, that's why we're not giving maybe Doug, next year. That's why we're not giving Doug a race right there. Well, he gets to sit at the big boy table or kids table, depending on how you look at. Michael Anyways. only off by eight years. I just want to apologize to Len for my bad play today. My head wasn't right. <laughs> Paula, Paula, so close. Man, I thought for sure he would be somewhere around my dad's age. And, and with that window of 41 to 43, I was like, yeah, I got it. Well, he kind of was. Your dad was six. So. Yeah, close enough. Ish. That, yeah, that's not. I mean, that's not bad. It had OG not Doesn't been there. Doesn't count in our game, but uh, you can give yourself some props. <laughs> Hey, let's take out the magnifying glass, guys, and help somebody. Oh, we're somebody... not going to recognize that I won? <laughs> oh, just wanted to point that out before we move on to the next thing. Oh, do we got to do the game? What's the score now, OG? I was just wondering what the score Turns is. Turns out I have six. Hmm. Congratulations, OG. Oh, thank you. Nice job. How did you get it? I thought he was like 70. <laughs> Would you like to thank all the little people? No, no, no. I, I did this all on my own. <laughs> let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money before OG's head gets bigger. Today's hotline call comes to you courtesy of MagnifyMoney.com. When you head to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash MagnifyMoney, you know what you're going to find? Those financial products you use every day, they're nowhere near best in class. Over 92% of those products available online are all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money for more. Whether you're student loan refinancing or let's say, Michael, maybe you've got the BMW 5 Series or, or the, or the uh, Land Rover or whatever else they drive. They could refinance those car loans through Magnify Money. They'd save a bunch. They'd save a bundle. That'd, that'd, that'd be great for them. There it is. Car loan refinance. Refinance those student loans they got. It'd be amazing. Uh, get a higher interest rate on their savings, whatever it might be. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Today, we are helping Annie magnify her money. Say hi, Annie. Hi, Joe and OG. My name is Annie and I'm almost 26. I was laid off from my full-time salaried job seven months ago and began doing some serious side hustling while looking for my next gig. And when I say serious, I mean it. I actually managed to finish paying off my student loans while underemployed and I'm in the middle of tackling my car loan. I'm on track to be completely debt-free in four months. In case you were worried, I did manage to secure a new full-time position. The job has benefits and a 401k match that I plan on contributing to immediately per company policy. Knowing that I'm almost debt-free, contributing to retirement, and have a four-months emergency savings, what do I do with all of my soon-to-be unallotted money? I'd like to get my savings up to six months of emergency expenses, but as soon as my car loan is paid off, I can take that money I've been using and hit my six-month goal by the end of 2019. I'm excited to finally reach the point where I'm not worried about debt or savings, but I want to be thoughtful on my next steps. I never thought I'd be at this point, so I'm not really sure what's next. I do plan to actually learn something, so I'd appreciate your advice. Thanks in advance. Oh, nice job, Annie. Fantastic job. Michael, 26 I'm, years old. She's rocking. Oh, I'm so excited for Annie. She's going to be all all paid off in 2019. And I want to get a bumper sticker, Annie 2020, because she <laughs> is just that is badass that she's doing so well. And I hope I can say that. But uh you know, it's all that whole thing. Are you saving for tomorrow or are you living for today? And to her advice, my response to her would be, Annie, I think you want to get your binoculars out, 
scan the horizon of your life and pick your next goal to target because uh could be a number of things for you. You know, maybe you want to save some more money there in 2020, uh, seed capital to grow your side hustle or you're 26. Maybe you want to go travel and do some of that, save money for that. Or finally, another thought for you would be just to start saving more and acquire more assets, whether that's saving for a down payment on a home or or saving more for retirement or something like that. I think that would be wonderful, but I'm so excited to hear that you're doing well. Very nice, very nicely done. But it all starts with, to your point, it all starts with what do you want? What does Annie want to do next? That's the first question you'd ask her. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Take the temperature. What's on, what do you, you know, how do you feel about what you're doing? What do you think you want to do once you reach this point in 2020? Yeah. Paula? There are a few different things. So first of all, uh, Annie, your side hustle is going super well. I don't know if you are interested in continuing that side hustle after you uh, start with your new job, but if you are, and if you have any interest in doubling down on it, reinvesting some of the profits back into the side hustle, that could be a very powerful thing. Given the fact that you've got that proof of concept, it's doing well. It might be that you reinvest some money back into growing that side hustle so that you can have this cash producing machine that is running on the side during your evenings and weekends. That's one option. The other thing that comes to mind is that your your late 20s and your 30s are a time of a lot of big ticket expenses. So the down payment on a house, a wedding, if that may or may not be in the future, uh, like at any time in the next 10 or 15 years, savings for those big goals. Travel is another one. Uh, so that's another area where I agree. Get out the binoculars, look at big ticket expenses that might come up within the next 10 to 15 years, such as a home and a wedding and a, anything else like that, having a baby and start putting aside some money for that since those are going to be some, some big ticket items. Oh, gee, do you agree with Michael and Paula to kind of knock away those midterm items? Or, I mean, it kind of seems to me that if she invest really long-term, she might be able to just worry about the short-term stuff without having to worry about the long-term later. Like take the opposite approach, get rid of some of that late life money and have her money work for her. I think I look at it from this perspective. I don't remember being 26. What I mean by that is- Because that was a good year. Because that was a good year. (laughs) No, but I mean, when when, when, when you're young, 26 is young, you don't have any idea, like what Paula said, what the future holds. You don't have any idea what, are you going to have a family? Are you not? Are you going to move across country three times for, you know, different jobs? Are you, you know, all these things that happen before you quote unquote, get settled are all going to happen in the next 20 years. I talk to people every day that show up at 40 and go, that was just a blur. Now I got to get my stuff squared away because TikTok, I only got 20 years and it turns out I don't want to do this for the next two decades. The thing that's frustrating is that when you're 26, you don't know what that looks like. Do you want to retire when you're 55 or 65? Or do you want to try for 40? All of that seems so long. I am agnostic about the goal stuff and that sort of thing. Here's what I'd want to recommend. I totally think that whenever there's extra money, you have to automatically get rid of it. You're already getting rid of it now. Just get rid of it into a different place. Your cash reserve, if you want to build that. I would prefer just a investment account because you don't know what you don't know at this point. And, you know, five years from now, you may say, gosh, I'm so glad that I've been saving whatever, $500 a month or $1,000 a month into my brokerage account because now I've got a house down payment I need to pay for. Or 
I got a great job opportunity and it's going to cost me $15,000 to move across country. And maybe the company is going to reimburse a little bit of it. These are things that we don't know what's going to happen. So my advice, it's hard to kind of pick that 65, 55 year goal down the, down the way. Gosh, it just seems so far away. And then you look at those big numbers like, well, I only need to accumulate four and a half million dollars to be retired. Swell. And I've got four and a half thousand right now. It just seems really hard. So just, I don't want to say stick your head in the sand, but stick your head in the sand and just automate it. Just get rid of it. Yeah, there's some things I think that she should also think about as well with regards to that. The money that you have, I mean, you've you've covered the bases on the on the early things, right? You have no debt now. You have saved your six months. So now the future cash flow that's um, that's additional for you, that's surplus, what do you do with that? You have so many good choices right in front of you. And uh, one of them that's fun to look at, you can look up the investing strategy barbell. So you already have one side of your barbell complete, maybe with your six-month savings. But you can look at the other side and be way more aggressive than you might normally otherwise because you have your savings in place. So sometimes that's a fun way to look at well, what can I do that's maybe outside of the norm? What's a choice I might consider? And uh, a barbell strategy is kind of a fun one sometimes to look at. Yeah, cool. Do you do you get uh, do any of you think about uh, tax sheltering any of this money, or do you want to leave it flexible? I certainly think that putting it into a retirement account, or at least a portion of it, into a retirement account. I mean, she mentioned that she will be doing that anyway, but a greater portion than she might currently be intending is a good thing. But the purpose of that is not the tax shelter. The purpose of that is that once your money is in a retirement account, the barriers to getting it out of there are so high that you're probably not going to do it, which means that money will be there until you're 65 or at least 59 and a half. Gets back to OG's point then of hiding the money. Exactly. Exactly. So the purpose of a retirement account, I I think, is not the tax advantage, particularly at at this stage, but to protect that money from yourself. Although you said a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was a couple months ago, you can't go back and accumulate all of those Roth IRA contributions that you missed. Once April 15th happens, that year's in the rearview mirror and there's nothing you can do about it. I know that there were years in my 20s that I didn't max out my Roth IRA. And I look back at it course, it was only $2,000 back then. But, you know, I look at that and go, really? I didn't have two grand. Like I couldn't come up with 2000 bucks in 1998 to do this or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, so there are definitely years back there. So I like the idea of putting it in a IRA type plan all for those reasons, but also, and Paul, because you, you said it, I'll give you tons of credit for it because I think it was really good. You can't go back in time, you know? So you can always get the money out if you really wanted to for a house down payment or for a wedding or whatever the case may be. It's stupid to do it that way, but at least it's there. Yeah, I like that. I also like the idea. I like Michael's idea of taking the binoculars out. I like that imagery. Take the binoculars a, out. Look at I'm going to steal that. That is yeah. hey, consider that stolen, brother. And one thing as well for Annie here, she's 26 and I don't know if she's married or has children or not, but one thing is on match.com They should have a stacking Benjamins group where people that like to stack Benjamins (laughs) can get together and stack some Benjamins together in your 20s. You can really set yourself. Yeah. I mean, that would be, you know, maybe a 
they should have groups though, where you can find people like-minded people that like to stack Benjamins, you we know, Tinder, like, and Match, and the other ones. You know, stacking Benjamins. Like, where, is he, where is he going with the Match.com? Like this is going to be an interesting way <laughs> like, to close it. Match.com is not a reference to matching contributions. <laughs> right, right. No. Michael's like, I don't know if you're single or whatever, but uh, you can go on Tinder and uh, you'll look for. I want you to find someone like-minded that likes to, you know, be have the money, the money goals you have, Annie. You're doing great. Annie 2020. There it is. Now we got fans of the show who half listening, going to Tinder, looking for the stacky Benjamins. Do I swipe right? Swipe left? Left, right? I don't, I don't know. And I, I could never get that past the goalie. Like, no, no, it's for work, sweetheart. <laughs> I swear. I'm the community manager for the group. <laughs> I don't know which way swiping is, but. Uh, yeah, you yeah. do, you liar. I don't have any idea. That's going to do it for today. Look at I wrap that up. But just. <laughs> uh, Let's start off. Uh, ladies first, Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything this week? So on Afford Anything, after three years of developing a course about rental property investing, I have finally launched it. And today, Friday, April 12th, is the last day that it's available. So if you head to affordanything.com and you happen to be listening to this episode the day that it was released, you can sign up for my course. And if you happen to be a slacker, a stacker slacker, and you're listening to it uh, the following day and April 13th or after. Let this and- be a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our stuff the day it comes out. Exactly. <laughs> but you can sign up. Uh, if you if you missed it, then you can sign up at affordanything.com slash VIP list. We'll do our next launch in either July or October. I'm not sure which. But if you're listening to it today, today's the last day that it's available. Nice. And do you have a specific link to go there or just head to afford anything and you'll see it? If you go to afford anything, that's where we will post the link. And that link will be up from April 8th through April 12th. So today is the last day that that link will be published and active. Awesome. And and it's a link to a course about rental property investing. It's called Your First Rental Property. Your First Rental Property. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the launch too, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I know you've been working hard on this for a long time. I really believe that my life will be able to, I'll, I'll be able to divide my life into the before launching the course era and the <laughs> after launching the course era, because three, the last three years of my life have been dedicated, not exclusively, but has been dedicated to building this course. So I feel almost like I'm graduating. It's so sad. You shed a tear. Mm, mostly a, a whoop of excitement. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. Finally, the doors are open. That's exciting. OG, what's happening with you this weekend? A whole lot of nothing, finally. Today is my favorite aunt's birthday, so I will call her and wish her a happy birthday. And uh, tomorrow, a little bit of fun stuff, you know, my third side hustle type type stuff. I can't call it my after school activity because you make fun of it, but a uh, little after school activity tomorrow for those of you who know. And uh, that's about it. That, you know, kind of rolling into Easter. It's almost, gosh, the kids are almost done with school. It's a fun weekend. It's that time of year. Starting to heat up. We got tax day coming up. Michael. (gasps) Wait, hold on. I got to (laughs) go. Michael Anderson. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. It was a real treat. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe and Paula and OG. This was awesome. Well, what's happening at the smart people money show right about now? 
smart people money show. We're getting ready to step into the classroom like we do each week and do a little lecture, little chalkboard, and a little fun in the lunchroom. That's how we do it every 30 minutes. And uh, for anyone listening, they could get that show on iTunes, uh, the smart people money show, or go to smartpeoplemoney.com. And the show is there as well as uh, we do a weekly webinar for free that anyone that has questions can jump on and ask some financial questions. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. Awesome. And if people just want to get in touch with you to talk about you and your financial planning practice, because you're a certified financial planner, how do people do that? Best place to go, I would say, is smartpeoplemoney.com. Just go there too. And from okay. there, you can find me and uh, and try and link a note and we'll, we'll be able to talk. But but yeah, I think everyone should look for help if they need it. Um, you can DIY with a lot now, but it's always good to have a little help. You'll go further faster. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much. And if you're walking the dog or on your commute, we've got you covered. We'll have everybody's links on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. That's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Yep. Yep. I got it, Joe. I got it. Here we go. First, take some advice from Michael Anderson and company. If you have income, that means you have choices. And how you make those choices will affect how you feel about yourself and your money. More money doesn't always make you feel wealthy. Second, worried about your retirement income? Well, I'm not because I got $400 million coming, but if you are, use calculators like Jason Parker's to start with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey says. But the big lesson? Need a negotiator? While my price point personally might be a little high for you, it's still a good idea to listen to old Doug when thinking about any negotiation. Heck, I can negotiate anything. Check this out. Hey, amazing Steve Stewart, I demand that we go to credits like right now see and here we are at the credits yes i truly am a special once in a generation negotiator special thanks to michael anderson for appearing on the round table you'll find more from michael at his site marinantha.com thanks to jason parker for stopping by you'll find more about his retirement income calculator at our podcast link stackingbenjamins.com forward slash calculator don't get lazy people you thought i was gonna say forward slash show notes but nope stackingbenjamins.com forward slash calculator paula pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com this show was created by joe salcihai produced by richie rudder reese and engineered by the amazing steve stewart Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Here's what else I'm going to do. I'm going to say we end the show right here. Go ahead. Try to stop me. I'm the king of getting what I want out of a negotiation. Oh, we were ending there anyway? Huh. Well, let's just call that a win-win. I'm a giver.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show, Michael, that doesn't exist. What happens here stays here. Uh, it's like Fight Club, dude. You don't talk like about that. it. <laughs> you know, talking about David Letterman, I was thinking about how many like late night moments, either late night TV moments that were funny or late night moments that, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the movie Old School where they're all streaking to the KFC and it turns out it's just, it's just Will Ferrell's character streaking to the KFC late at night. I was wondering if let's let's talk late night uh, late night stuff, Paula. I remember meeting you in uh, for breakfast in uh, New Orleans after after you'd been up all night. Oh man! So it, this was at FinCon, the personal finance conference that we all go to every year, and I had been up partying with other FinConers. We had been hitting the bars. All night long, I got back to my hotel room at maybe seven in the morning, seven thirty eight, something like that. I like stumble. I, I don't remember exactly what time, but I remember stumbling back into my hotel room about to go to sleep. And I get this text from Joe where he's like, hey, are we still meeting for breakfast? And I'm like, I haven't gone to bed yet. <laughs> but I said yes. <laughs> and I showed up for breakfast and I was like, Joe, uh, I've just pulled an all-nighter. I still haven't gone to bed or something like that. I don't even remember. I don't really remember this breakfast. I just remember Joe sitting across the table laughing at me the entire time. I thought we had like this big heart-to-heart and shared a lot. (laughs) And Paula can't even remember what the hell we talked about. (laughs) It it was a conversation that changed one of our lives. (laughs) I do distinctly remember for all of breakfast, just double fisting the orange juice and coffee, like just one in each hand, just going strong. I I do remember that, Paula, because remember we were at a table. You might not even remember this. We were at a table and there were other people sitting like next to us. It was like this shared community table. But every time the waitress came by, you like grabbed her. You're like, I need need, need more of that. Whatever you have. Please. Give me more. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, my poor liver. Uh. <laughs> good. It was a good moment. Uh, 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 Michael, how about you? Late night, late night stories? Well, there's probably more than I want to share here, but uh, being that it's the late night, I, I went to school in Northern California. Uh, Chico State was where I went to undergrad. And that, if you may remember, Joe, uh, OG, 1987 Playboy edition, it was the party school of the nation. Hello. Um, I wasn't allowed and, on that yeah. program either. By the time I had got there in 1999, they had worked hard for 13 years to make that reputation go away. And uh, they had not done a great job. So, but at Fifth and Ivy <laughs> is where you would go for Frankie's Pizza after drinking all evening. And uh, that it's funny the correlation between great pizza and all night drinking. Yes, I think the pizza gets great. I mean, I don't. I'd love to see a stat on that. You know, I'd love to see someone run a nice chart on that because I think they're highly correlated. I have a stat. I don't even know if it's there anymore, Michael. But Dino's Pizza in East Lansing when I went to Michigan State. I love this stuff at two 30 in the morning. I tried to have it during the daylight one time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could take go. your family there. There's like this awesome pizza place. You guys are going to love it. There was so much grease on the top of that pizza. It, it like looked like they took motor oil and poured it on the top. It was just, but at two 30 in the morning. Mm, oh man. So yum. Uh, OG. I know uh, you and you're like, nights. oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Gosh almighty. 
I, I don't know any PG versions of any of these stories. I'm like trying to think of like how I could spin this to make it seem like I'm not. I do know one one late night story. Does, there, it, does this involve me? Th- well, no, no. Oh, but this was a perfect. story you told. I don't remember if it was it was a former client or a former. I think it was a former client's friend. We told this story way, 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 way back in the day, but like mm-hmm. right at the start of the podcast, it seems like. But there was somebody that you knew that uh, that was running a house and people were bringing money and they were they were like uh, playing poker there or something. And it got raided by the cops. Yeah, I'm not sure that I can tell that story, but <laughs> people yeah, are gonna have to up, go. Was, we have a bigger audience than we did <laughs> seven years ago when I probably told that last. Yeah, I remember that. It was for charity. It just kind of backfired. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I remember you yeah. t- you telling them that it was going to backfire. Like, oh yeah, well, yeah, you, you know, probably I can't need to do invest that. in a poker business, and I'm like, I'm in. Like, how do you? <laughs> what's your secret? You know. It's like, oh, my son's running it. Yeah, that was that was a long time ago. Um, I have all of the stories, of course, of college chicanery. You know, the University of Michigan, the last, they ended it right around the time that I was there. I don't know if it was because of me or in spite of me, but, you know, they used to do the Naked Mile. Do you remember that, Joe? Did you, did you ever hear about that? Uh, I knew they did it at uh, that loser school down the, like, mm-hmm. 90 miles away from my school. Bunch of losers. <laughs> yes. And, and I distinctly remember climbing a tree with my I guess she would have been girlfriend at the time like scowling at me like what are you doing and I'm like oh I have to I have to climb up here like I was so hell-bent on doing it and then that evening we're in her um house you know or whatever the 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 event's over and we just hear this weird noise and it's like this just it's like kind of giggling out the window like it's almost like there's people right there to kind of giggling, you just hear this like weird. So some kids came by and chopped down the tree in front of their house. You're kidding like, me. Just like right there. Really? We're, like out the window. And we were, you know, a little out of it also. I guess. So we thought it was pretty funny. We're like, where did they get a tree from? You know, because they're dragging a tree down the street. Turns out it was the tree right next to the window. They just got an ax and chopped it down. We had pretty wild. We had, when I was in college, we had a sign in our kitchen, big road sign that said, do not enter. And we put it like right, right at the end of the kitchen. Of course, house with guys, right? Just this horrible kitchen. Actually, what's funny was a whole different story, but my roommate, super neat freak. So our, our kitchen actually did look pretty good, but we had this cool sign. We thought it was cool called do not enter. But how we got that sign was amazing because very seriously, I wouldn't steal a road sign. Like I just wouldn't do it. Just no, thank you. Other ways, other ways to get arrested, I suppose. <laughs> but but the, the, not my. You're problem. going down. You're going down for yeah, real. That's right. I'm not going down for stealing some road sign. But what I will do is this: I'm on my way back from from some place. It's two o'clock in the morning, and I'm walking across these uh, these green spaces back to the front door of my dorm. But I'm coming from the back side, so I'm just going along the side of the dorm. And there, next to somebody's window, is this do not enter sign. And it's just sitting in the grass. So I pick it up and I take it and I put it in the back of my car. I took it over to my car, put it in the back of my car. I realized the next day, I'm like, somebody must've just stolen that sign and they put it by their window of their dorm room. They were going around because you can't take it by the RA sitting at the front. You know, you got to come in and show ID and stuff. 
So, mm-hmm. the, so this person, I could see these people sit with, the, you know, they think they're clever. They take this side and then they go in. Dude, man, I totally left it right here. I swear. <laughs> Where did it go? You put it in front of the wrong room. What, what did you do? I, I didn't even think about that till the next day. But Joe, what, am I getting this right? So you stole what somebody stole? And that was okay, but stealing it initially okay. wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, I initially was going to take it back. Joe's going to go down for possession. My whole goal was to take it back. And then I didn't know which city it was from. You drove so around I decided, all over East Lansing I, trying to find the where do not enter was missing for safety of the community. You were going to put it back. I did. I did. Very moral, <laughs> very moral thing to do there, Michael. <laughs> I love it. That's a great story. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.